The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. As I've been studying to be a pastor, my wife and I have had to move around quite a bit in the past few years. In these past three years, we've actually lived in three different homes in three different states. And each time we pack up and hit the road, I realize, wow, I have so much stuff. And I look at my stuff, and some of it I use on a regular basis, but a lot of it I probably haven't used for the better part of a year. And some of it, I, I look at it and I think, why did I even buy that in the first place? Why do I have all this stuff? And I know I'm not the only one, and we live in a land full of stuff. You can drive around in most major cities and you can find entire complexes of storage units, and each storage unit is filled to the brim with people's possessions. There seems to be this constant journey for more and more. Maybe it's the next upgrade. Maybe it's that next level of financial security. Maybe it's the social status that comes with wealth. But whatever it is, so many people embark on this journey and they try and find meaning and fulfillment in the things that they own. But does that journey ever end? When does more become enough? You see, that's what Tom Brady wanted to know. In 2005, quarterback Tom Brady had just led the New England Patriots to another Super Bowl win. Tom was now the proud owner of three Super Bowl rings, and he was just getting started. And later that year, in an interview, Tom opened up about his success. And here's what he said. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater for me out there? It's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. Do his words surprise you? (laughs) I think to most people, Tom Brady has it all. He lives a meaningful life. He's incredibly wealthy. He's successful on and off the field. But in reality, he was still desperately searching for meaning. And even after everything he had achieved, after everything he had gained, he still had to say, there's got to be more than this. Tom isn't alone either. Tom isn't the only one to take this journey to find fulfillment through stuff, through the things that we own. But ultimately, everyone who takes up this journey will end up saying the same thing. It's got to be more than this. You know, Tom won't be the last person to say those things, but he also wasn't the first person either. Because about 3,000 years before this interview took place, there was once a king who said the exact same thing. That king's name was Solomon. 
Now Solomon was the son of King David, and he was king over all of Israel in Jerusalem. And while David was known for his bravery and his goodness, Solomon was known for his wisdom and his wealth. Before Solomon took up his reign as king, God appeared to him in a dream, and he told him to ask for anything he wanted, and he would give it to him. Solomon took up this gracious offer, and he simply asked for one thing, wisdom. He asked that God would give him a wise and discerning heart to help him rule over Israel. And God was pleased with his answer, and so he gave him that wise and discerning heart. And in fact, he was so pleased with Solomon's answer that he also gave him wealth. In fact, God blessed him with such incredible wealth, he was wealthier than any other of the kings of Israel. And the word began to spread. People came from far and wide to listen to Solomon's wisdom, to seek his sage advice, and they would leave stunned, amazed at the incredible wealth and splendor of Solomon, king of Israel. But time passed, and before long, Solomon realized he wasn't satisfied. Despite everything he owned, he was still searching for meaning. And he wanted to find that missing piece. And so in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon takes up this task to find meaning through the things of this world. And so armed with his wise mind and his deep pockets, he set out to find that meaning he was craving. And he didn't waste a minute. He got right to work. Solomon built cities. He expanded his kingdom. He constructed this magnificent temple in Jerusalem devoted to God. He amassed wealth on an incredible scale. Scripture tells us that in just one year of his reign, he received tribute of today's equivalent of over $1 billion. His wealth was off the charts. His accomplishments were unsurpassable. No one came close to the wealth that he had. There was nothing that he couldn't buy, nothing that he couldn't do. He was thought to be the richest man that ever lived. And Solomon spent 40 years of his life living this way, trying to find meaning in the things of this world, trying to find that fulfillment through his wealth. And at the end of 40 years, do you know what Solomon said? Meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Solomon realized as he looked around that he wasn't the only one trying to build some meaning in this life. And as he looked throughout his kingdom, he saw people who woke up before the sunrise, people who worked all day in the fields, and then at the end of the day, they would go to sleep, worrying about the next day of work, And then they'd wake up and do the same thing over and over again. And for what? What were they working for? Solomon realized that everything he built, the structures he had constructed would eventually crumble. The wealth he had amassed for himself would someday slip out of his hands and into the hands of another king. And who knew if they would be wise or foolish? Everything he owned 
everything he worked so hard for to achieve in this life, it would be swallowed by death. Nothing on this earth could give him that meaning that he was looking for. And so he despaired. He despaired because he couldn't find fulfillment in the things of this world. Not all the gold in Israel could do that. And Solomon spoke from a place of understanding and experience. There was no one better suited to find fulfillment at the end of this search. No one was more equipped. He was the richest and wisest person who ever lived. And yet even he had to call this a chasing after the wind. And when we think about the wind, what is it like? Well, to start, you can never catch up with it and you can't really hold it in your hands. That's what Solomon said his wealth was like. Trying to find fulfillment was a never-ending chase. It was something he could never hold in his hands. It would always elude him, always be a step ahead. And as you probably know, that chase can be frustrating. Think about it. We spend our time and our resources on the next big thing, the next upgrade, and it breaks. Or we invest in something, we save up for something, and it doesn't pan out the way we want it to. And what happens to all our stuff when we die? You see, this chasing after things of this world, after fulfillment through wealth, it won't lead us where we want to go. And in fact, it can lead us farther and farther away from where God wants us to be. Greed has the potential to do that. Just look at Solomon's life. His 40-year search led him farther and farther away from God to the point of despair. And so why did Solomon write Ecclesiastes? Why is it recorded in the Bible for us? To make us despair? Yes. And no. You see, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes so that we could learn from his search. And so we could understand that a meaningful life isn't found in our stuff. But he also wrote Ecclesiastes so that we would stop searching for meaning in the things of this world and start searching somewhere else. And dear friends, that search ends about a thousand years after Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. Because about a thousand years after he was king, there was another king. And this king had everything. This king had power and wealth and honor and riches beyond compare. There was no other king like him. And yet, he decided to give it all up. This king decided to become poor. He chose to humble himself. And if you looked at him, he wouldn't look much like a king at all. Instead, he looked like a servant. In fact, he spent his time washing his friend's feet. He spent his time comforting the people that society had no time for. And then one day, this king was arrested and wrongly sentenced to death. And to most people, his death, it looked meaningless. It looked like there was no point to it at all. But the point was, this king suffered, he labored, he worked hard not to achieve 
and secure an inheritance for himself, but he did it to secure an inheritance for people who were searching. People like Solomon and people like you and me. And this king is not just another earthly king. This king is the author of life, the creator of the universe. His kingdom extends beyond space and time. His reign is eternity. And do you know what? He thinks about you. This king loves you. You mean something to this king. And in fact, he laid down his life for you because you are priceless in his eyes. He couldn't imagine living a life without you, so he gave his life so that you could live life to the full. And who is this king? It's Jesus. You see, our worth is not found in the things that we own. Our life doesn't consist in the wealth that we can accumulate, the things that we have. Instead, our life consists of what you have in Christ. And when you look at your meaning through his eyes, we find that you are rich beyond compare. And so we can stop the chase. We don't have to chase after things that will always be a step ahead of us. We don't have to find fulfillment in the things of this world. Because knowing who you are in Christ gives you meaning. And this is not a fleeting hope that chases like the wind that disappears as soon as we think we have it in our hands. This is a rock-solid foundation. You can stake your life, your meaning, your identity, everything on Christ. We can find contentment and live a meaningful life because you mean so much to Jesus. And so, what do we do with our stuff? Does Solomon want us to just pack it up and throw it away? Dear friends, God has taken care of the big things, and so we can enjoy the little things. He has given us wealth and material possessions as a trust. We can enjoy them knowing that they belong to him all the time. And we can use our wealth to his glory and our good. And we can know that all the things that Solomon called meaningless, they find their meaning in Jesus. And so we can wake up with joy. And we can go to sleep in peace. We can wake up and go to work and work faithfully and not worry about the lasting impact of our hands. And we can live each and every day with that certainty. We can know that the battle is won, that your sins are paid for, that you mean so much to Christ. And at the end of this life, when your time on earth is almost over, you don't have to worry that you didn't cross the finish line with the most stuff. Because in Christ, we find all the meaning that we need. We can look back at our lives and know without a doubt that your life is meaningful. Not because of the things you own, but because Christ has bought you with his blood. Not because of what I achieved with my hands, but because Jesus stretched out his hands on the cross for you. It's because he gave up everything so that you could have it all. And so, if you were ever interviewed about your life and your success, 
where you find your fulfillment and purpose, what would you say? Chances are you don't have any Super Bowl rings. Chances are your wealth doesn't come close to King Solomon's. But dear friends, that's okay. You can confidently say, I mean so much to Jesus. You don't have to chase after the wind. You don't have to search for meaning in places that won't deliver it because you belong to Christ. And that gives us all the meaning that we need. Amen.